At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, a Wednesday show for you. Troy Macker, Senior Manager of Content for Bet Rivers, will join us. We'll talk some shop with Troy. Uh, get a look from things from the book's perspective. We always look at things from the better's perspective. I think it'll be interesting to sort of change our views here and, and take a look at what people are betting. We'll talk all the different sports and uh, sort of some better habits here, and we'll just get into a, a few different things with Troy. So looking forward to talking with him. Uh, but we start with the Subway Series as the Yankees and Mets play again today. Max Scherzer against Herman Mets minus 165 at Bet Rivers, total 7.5. Uh, it's actually Scherzer's birthday today. He turns 38. Happy birthday to Max. Not sure he's listening, especially on the day he pitches. I'm sure he listens the other days. I'm sure the day he's listening, though, he's not pitching. So uh, maybe he'll listen to this tomorrow and hear his, uh, his shout-out for his birthday. But... Uh, I believe this is the biggest underdog the Yankees have been all season, and I would lean towards the Mets tonight. I think it's hard to back the Yankees with this pitching matchup. I'm not crazy about laying minus 165, and by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be going up, probably minus 170, minus 175. I don't see a lot of support for the Yankees, but I would certainly lean towards the Mets here. Maybe bet the Mets to score first, minus 110. Um, maybe wait for a live opportunity, which I know is not great content, but I would probably look to back the Mets in some form tonight. I just think the Yankees have a lot of issues right now. Now, they have a great record. They're not in danger of losing the East. They've built up a lot of a cushion here, even though Toronto has played extremely well. They're still 11 games up in the loss column. But the Yankees right now are not a great team. They are a good team with a great record. And the injury bug has hit them. Stanton is now on the IL. I guess he aggravated during the All-Star game, which, look, I know these guys want to go, have a good time. He won the MVP. Uh, and they've built up enough of a lead here where it's not a big deal that he rests. But it's a big deal if they lose the one seed. And, uh, it's just been injury after injury after injury after being so healthy for so long. And, boy, this is a team that's had so many injuries the past three or four years. They've been so healthy. They were so healthy the first few months of the season. Then, all right, Severino gets hurt. You don't love it, but maybe he'll be back soon. Still haven't heard anything about him. He's been shut down for a couple weeks. King snaps his elbow throwing a pitch Friday night. And now Stanton's on the I.O. And this team just has a lot of flaws. And we'll get to the Mets side of this in, in a few minutes. But the Yankees are the interesting thing here where uh, they just their season is going to come down to what they do in this next week or two. Because this team right now is not good enough to win the title. They're just not good enough. Uh, you know the, the idea that Gallo was pinch hitting last night. Look, I understand it. You're down two runs. You need a homer. There's two outs. There's a man on. But kind of Falefa, for all his flaws, he's put the bat in the ball. He's actually been you know getting base hits. I get it, but he was such an automatic out there. I wouldn't have done it. I think Kiner Falefa, you know what? 
hopefully he sneaks a single through the right side. You get first and second or first and third, and then the next guy can hit, come up and hit a double, and you tie the game. Gallo, that he was just completely overmatched. It's ridiculous that he gets at bats anymore. Between Gallo, Chapman, there's just so much dead weight on this roster that it's hard to take this team into October and expect to beat the upper echelon teams. Now, you could beat the Royals and the Guardians and the Tigers, but when you face the Mets, when you face the Astros, we've seen the Yankees' flaws here, and they are evident and they are plentiful. And even a guy, you know, I beat up on Kiner Falefa a lot. He's played better lately. I still don't love him. Gallo has gotten plenty of grief, rightfully so. A guy who kind of skates here is Donaldson. Donaldson was coming, came in here. They're paying him 20-something million dollars. He was their big move in the offseason to bring in Donaldson, bring in Kiner Falefa. Donaldson was brought in here to be, be a big middle-of-the-lineup power bat. His OPS is under 700. He's done nothing offensively. He plays a nice third base. That's fine. Uh, but I, I think Donaldson kind of skates here. And I would be looking at a scenario where I could put Carpenter at third base. Hopefully he fills a position well enough where he doesn't hurt you. And then get another bat in the lineup somewhere else. I would not put Carpenter in the outfield. Get an outfielder. Move Carpenter to third base. I think Donaldson's at bats have to go. Uh, enough of Gallo. Please, enough of Gallo. Kiner Falefa, look, I've kind of given up on that one. He's hit better lately. I would like a better player there. I would like maybe call it Peraza. Uh, you can't have everything here if you're the Yankees. They definitely need a left-handed bat. And I think we're getting to the point here where they need a starting pitcher because Montgomery, look, he's been good. He had a bad outing last night. Bad first inning Friday night against the Red Sox. He's fine. He's solid. I think he's kind of underrated. Uh, here's how I would put Montgomery. You trust him in a playoff game, but you'd rather have him be up to one pitching game for you. Don't want to, obviously, he's not pitching game one. He's not pitching game two. If it's 1-1, do you really want him pitching game three? Eh, I wouldn't feel great about that. And I wouldn't feel great if he's pitching game four down two to one. But if you're up two to one, you're fine with him pitching game four. But there's a lot of gaps to fill in in between. Can Cortez, can you count on him? I trust him. I trust him, but I don't, you know what? It's not like you throw Cortez against the Astros and you think you're getting, you know, six innings, Three hits, one run. You're not sure what you're getting with Cortez in a big spot against a good team. Tyone, it's hard to trust anymore. He's been up and down. Severino, who knows? He's been shut down for two weeks. So the Yankees right now, I think Castillo has got to be a priority. Look, I would go all in. I would try to get Soto. I, I mean, you could scream and yell about getting Soto. I just don't think they're going to do that. David Cohn went on record yesterday and saying, look, if George Steinbrenner was alive and running this team, same thing I've been saying. If, Soto, if Steinbrenner was alive running this team, George... Uh, they would have Soto. They'd give up what it takes. He doesn't care about these prospects. A lot of these prospects never even pan out from, you know, Brackman uh, years ago, Banuelos, Miguel Andahar, uh, Chase Adams. You can go down the line. Look at the Yankees' top five, top ten prospects every year. Once in a while, they pan out. Most of the time, they don't. Most of the, the talent from the Yankee team is from other places, whether it's, you know, Torres and Stanton and Cole, uh, Holmes they got in a trade. You just go down the line. Cortez, they got off the scrap heap. Okay, they, they drafted and developed Judge, but he's a, he's the exception to the rule there. So I would do everything I could to get Soto. I don't know that that's going to happen. I would guess that's not going to happen. I actually don't think Soto's going to get traded at all just because similar to Durant where it's just so complicated to put a trade together that I don't know that you're going to do anything with uh, you know midseason with getting Soto off the team. I mean, it's possible, but I just feel like that's a, a deal that happens more in the winter. But if Soto's off the table, I think you need still a left-handed bat and David Peralta's not the answer. I still want Ben Attendee, and you got to find a way to get Luis Castillo and find a legitimate guy to be to back Cole. Where you know you get in a playoff series and it's Cole one, Castillo two, and you have that one-two punch. Because if you can't count on Severino, and it's really hard to count on Severino without knowing the results of his MRI, without knowing if he's going to re-injure the lat. Now Scherzer hurt his lat, came back what four or five weeks later and was fine. He's pitched great. But if you are the Yankees here, uh, you need that one-two punch in the playoffs, and I just don't think you have it in terms of the pitching. So the Yankees World Series is right now. The Yankees World Series is right now, and I don't mean the game against the Mets tonight. I mean the deadline this next week and a half, two weeks, where uh, I guess it's just a week because it's August 2nd. So, yeah, basically like a week, under a week. Yankees need to make some impact moves, and they need more than one. They certainly need a reliever. That bridge to Holmes is very shaky. Peralta's okay. I actually trust uh, Marinaccio, who uh, has pitched really well for them. I actually trust them more than a lot of these other guys. I trust him more than a lot of these other guys, and that's a good and a bad thing. It's good that he's pitched well, but it's a bad thing that he's elevated to the point where, uh, other than Holmes, I don't know who you trust more than Marinaccio. And Chapman's a disaster. Uh, Luecki, forget about it. 
Abreu's got a nice arm. Look, he's throwing 101 miles an hour. He could be a nice piece, but he's not your primary setup guy. He's more of a sixth, seventh inning guy when your bullpen's in order. So I, I don't worry about them getting a, a bullpen piece. I think that's one thing that you can find, one thing you can get. They've been good developing pitchers. Uh, they've been good coaching pitchers. Matt Blake does an incredible job. But if I were the Yankees right now, you got to be aggressive, and this is your World Series. So uh, showing a lot of flaws here. Montgomery hasn't pitched well. They haven't hit. Their lineup's a little short. Donaldson, you go down the line. The Yankees uh, are in some trouble long-term. They're fine in the immediate future. I mean, they're going to win plenty of games. they got the Royals coming up soon. They'll do well against them. They'll be, they'll be fine. But the Yankees right now are, are certainly showing some cracks and need to upgrade this roster. And I think need to upgrade it in a big way in just a couple of areas to give themselves a chance to Look, go to a World Series, win a World Series for the first time in 12 years. It's not a time to be conservative and hold on to your prospects. This is a time where if you make the right moves, you can win it. If you make the right moves, you can win it. The Dodgers are obviously great in the other league, but they don't have that great pitching. The Mets are great, but look, they might not even win the division. They, I think they will, but who knows who you're going to see in the National League. The, the bottom line is it's wide open. The Astros are good, really good, probably the best team in the league. But if you made the right moves, you could certainly beat them and uh, I think it's important to hold on to that one seed. This is a critical time here for the Yankees to make some impact moves, be aggressive, forget these prospects. These prospects, chances are they're going to be okay at best anyway. I mean, you never know what these prospects are going to be. And you can always replenish the talent by signing more free agents. You're the New York Yankees. So I think it's time for them to act like the Yankees and go out and upgrade this talent as the Yankees uh, just continue to struggle here. And... Look, it's not like they played terrible. They won two out of three against Boston. They, uh, they've held, they've held their own. It's not like they played terribly, but it's hard to trust the Yankees right now in terms of, you know, betting on them, betting their future. Still, the short shot here at Bet Rivers uh, to win the World Series at plus three seventy. That's not a number I would have a lot of interest in. I think the Yankees certainly need to make some moves. That's the Yankee side of it. And again, lean towards the Mets tonight. The Mets. Uh, look, they bounced back nicely here. They were in a funk. They couldn't hit. They had a 95-inning stretch where they scored seven runs in terms of regulation because uh, it was a, I think it was a, what, 10-game stretch where they scored a uh, five, seven-game stretch where they scored 10 runs. But three of those runs were in extra innings where you get the ghost runner on second. So it was basically, they, I did the math the other day. They had a 95-inning stretch where they had seven runs up until the sixth inning Sunday night against the Padres, where obviously Alonzo hits the hanging breaking ball for a three-run homer. The place erupts, and the the Mets have kind of carried that momentum uh, forward. Big first inning last night. Boy, the ball was flying out last night, and that was a great environment last night. It really was. I mean, the home runs, and, and that thing was flying all over the place. Judge opposite field homer, Rizzo opposite field homer. Uh, Escobar hits one out. Marte hits one out. Even the ball Alonzo hit to the wall. I mean, that ball was in the ground. He basically swung with one hand. If you watch the replay and you figure how that ball went to the wall, you know the balls are a little a little juiced, although the scoring did quiet down after you know it got to 5-3. But the Mets, look, they've got some guts. They've got some resilience. They've done this a bunch of times this year where Atlanta gets close, and they're within striking distance, about to take over first place, and the Mets bounce back, whether that's two out of three against Atlanta a couple weeks ago. That was the biggest game of the season. Uh, that Monday night, Scherzer versus the Braves, where Scherzer just threw incredibly well. And he's pitched pretty well. He's pitched really well since he came back. He hasn't been great the last two starts, but he's been really good in general. Uh, but the Mets just have a, a nice habit, a nice way of counterpunching. And the Mets counterpunch last night. Diaz comes in and is lights out, getting the save. It's amazing how you know the fans have... Uh, embrace Diaz. I don't know deep down that they fully trust him. Yeah, one-run game in October. Do you fully trust him? I would, but I think he's got to see it first. Uh, but the Mets have shown you some guts. They broke out of their slump. They hit some homers. Uh, and You know what? They, I was going back and forth between the SNY broadcast and the Yes broadcast. The SNY broadcast is so much better than the Yes broadcast, and they don't like the Yankees at all. I think I think LeMay, who hit a fly ball to the right field, and they said that ball is caught, and it's not Little League Stadium like Yankee Stadium or a minor league stadium like Yankee Stadium. This is actually a real major league stadium, so that's not a home run. Little subtle digs like that. There's a little jealousy, a little 
bad blood between the Mets and the Yankees, especially more so on the Mets side. I don't think the Yankees, I think the Yankees kind of, it's like a Lakers-Clippers situation where the Clippers hate the Lakers, the Lakers don't even look at the Clippers. I think there's a little bit of that. Not as dramatic because the Mets have been successful here, especially recently, not in terms of winning championships, but successful enough where, you know, you can't just completely brush them off. But I do think there is a little big brother, little brother dynamic with the Mets and the Yankees. Uh, but the, the yes broadcast, one thing I noticed, Diaz, obviously, he picks up the ground ball in the ninth inning and it slips out of his hand. And Michael Kay starts knocking him. He said, well, he, he shouldn't have rushed. He, he rushed. He starts criticizing Diaz for rushing. He didn't rush at all. It was a slow roller. He picks up the ground ball and it just slipped out of his hands. It's kind of like the uh, the quarterback throwing the empty hand and, and losing the fumble in football. He just lost the ball. He wasn't rushing. It was a slow ground ball. What do you want him to do? Walk over to it? So Kay just likes to criticize. He likes to act. You know, here, here's how I would put it with Kay. He likes to act like he knows more than he does because he has no idea about the game sometimes. I mean, he gets excited over every fly ball. He calls every fly ball a high fly ball. He can't read the ball off the bat. K is not a good play-by-play guy. The, the Mets guy, uh, Cone, is tremendous. The, the Mets broadcast in general is much better, much better than the Yankee broadcast. But the Mets, look, the Mets are in good shape here. They continue to fend off the Braves. The Braves did win last night. They play at noon today against the Phillies. Morton going against Gibson. You'd figure Atlanta would win again today. Strider's been incredible. He pitched another gem last night. They bombed Nola, who had pitched pretty well uh, up until that point. So Mets still with a three-game lead in the loss column. Minus 155 to win the division at Bet Rivers. I think that is accurately priced. If I had nothing in pocket, boy, not sure this is the time to get involved. I think that's fairly priced. And, you know, we've given out the Mets at certain prices. We've given out the Braves at certain prices. I think that's accurately priced. They obviously have five games coming up soon. And then four games after that and three at the end of the year. So, uh, Mets have done a good job. They certainly have their moves to make, too. They need a bat. They need a relief pitcher. But it's easy to get a bat. It's easy to get a relief pitcher. The things the Mets need, they can get. And there's there were rumors yesterday, I don't buy this yet, that they asked about Otani. From everything the Angels said, they're not trading Otani. That would be a, a hell of a story. That would clear up the MVP race a little bit in the American League if Otani went to the National League. That would uh, obviously eliminate him from winning the American League MVP. But I don't necessarily buy that, but I do think the net, the Mets, everything they need, they can get. You can get a relief pitcher. You can get, you know, a six hitter, which is what they need. They definitely need some power, whether it's J.D. Martinez, whether it's Mancini, C.J. Crone. You can get what the Mets need, which is a, a spare bat and a relief pitcher. The things the Yankees need, you know, a really good starting pitcher, that's hard. That's really hard to find. And when you get it, you have to really overpay for it. So, uh, not worried about the Mets. I think they've played well. I think they win tonight. And I, I think the Mets really uh, have showed you some guts here, showed you some some fortitude in terms of you know, not letting the Braves take the division over, whether it was head-to-head -head a few weeks ago. Sunday, when the lead got cut to a half a game, uh, they punched back there. I just think the Mets have done a really good job of showing some toughness. It's not the same old Mets. I know Mets fans are always, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think with Showalter, with Scherzer, this is certainly a different Mets feel, a certainly a different Mets team. And if you look up, the schedule gets pretty easy uh, before those Braves games because after today, uh, they are off on Thursday. Then they are in Miami for three games on Sunday, uh, Friday to Sunday. So you figure you can win two out of three against Miami. And then... Uh, a site that makes all Mets fans happy, a, a site that makes any fan happy. You get the Nationals for three games. It's in Washington, but still, it's the Nationals, who have actually played pretty well against the Dodgers of all teams these last few days. Uh, you get the Nationals Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before next Thursday, August 4th, when you get uh, what's just going to be so much fun. Five games in four days, Atlanta versus the Mets. And then after that, you get the Reds. So the schedule here is pretty forgiving for the Mets. Sounds like DeGrom, hopefully this is his last rehab start tonight. I mentioned it yesterday, I'll say it again. If DeGrom is going to throw 70 pitches in a rehab start tonight like he is for Syracuse, why isn't he throwing 70 pitches for the Mets? I know you're only going to get four or five innings out of him. Five at most, probably four, depending how efficient he is. Why not just have him put a Met uniform on and throw 70 pitches for the Mets? Why Why would you have like rehab start after rehab start, bullpen, simulated game? 
Give him a Mets uniform. If he's good enough to throw 70 pitches, give him a Mets uniform. Put him on the mound in City Field and let him pitch for the Mets. I, I just don't understand this idea that you know he's just going to keep making rehab starts. If he's healthy, let him pitch. I mean, they've just been so careful with the Mets. It's not like they have a 20-game lead here. They're up, you know, they're up two games, three in the loss column. Let him pitch for the Mets. I just don't understand it. But uh, things break right if he's healthy and if he can pitch on his normal rest. Let's see. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He would be good to pitch Monday, which would line him up for the Nationals, which would line him up to pitch again against the Braves. So you could have a scenario. Jeff Parles brought this up yesterday. You could have a scenario here where they play a doubleheader. Uh, that doubleheader is Saturday next week against the Braves. Yeah, one at 1 o'clock, one at 7 o'clock Saturday in City Field. You could have a scenario where Scherzer and DeGrom pitch both ends of that doubleheader which would be just awesome for the Mets. It'd be awesome for baseball. It'd be great drama. And hey, if you're up three or four games going into that doubleheader, like Jeff said yesterday, if you sweep that, you push it to five, six, that's not something that's going to be easy to overcome this late in the season. Both teams are so good. It's one thing to make up two or three games. You can do it head to head. Another team can get cold. Uh, another team can get hot. When you push it to five, six, that's the point where you're really uh, banking on a collapse. You're really banking on burying the other team head-to-head -head in the remaining games. And look, not only, it, it, and again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if you play well in that doubleheader, you start to tick off the games too, where it's only four in Atlanta and then three at the end of the year. It's still seven, but uh, that's obviously, I mean, this is maybe the stupidest thing I've ever said on this podcast. That's obviously a huge series next week and a situation where if the Mets continue to play well going into that series, they can sort of deliver the knockout punch. So... Uh, should be another fun game tonight. Should be a great atmosphere. I mean, that was just an aw awesome atmosphere. It always is with the city, the uh, the Subway Series. Uh, mixed ballpark. A lot of Yankee fans. A lot of Mets fans. A lot of juice in the game. So looking forward to it tonight. Again, uh, Herman, who, not sure why they're pitching him, honestly. It seems like a punt game. He, he's not as bad as some people are making it seem, but you don't feel great about pitching him tonight uh, in this kind of environment. He was awful last week against the Astros. Gave up a bunch of homers. Scherzer's been really good. You figure Scherzer's up for this kind of moment. It's a Yankee lineup without Stanton. Um, I would certainly look towards backing the Mets here. Uh, again, it's not a price you love to lay, but I, I would expect this to be a nice bounce back here uh, for the Mets as uh, these teams play tonight, and then they don't see each other until August, which, uh, look, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun when these teams play. And, uh, Yankees certainly have their issues right now, and the Mets and the Mets fans uh, are enjoying, you know, the fact that look they only beat them once, but but the Yankee, the Mets love to beat the Yankees. They love the idea that Diaz closed them out last night, and you just boy, it's funny. You never felt like Diaz was blowing. Even when two guys got on last night, you just felt like uh, he was going to strike out the next two guys, which he did. He's just so good. He's so unhittable right now. I mean, 93 mile an hour slider, 101 mile an hour fastball. He's uh. He's as good as it gets. He might be, even be a little bit better than Holmes. I think the Yankees and Mets probably have the two best closers in baseball right now because Hayter's not pitched well for my for uh, Milwaukee. Diaz has been great, and and Holmes has been great. It's really, you know, it's, even in a one-run game, when that guy comes in the game, you just feel like it's over. It's just so hard to hit him. So should be fun tonight. I would expect the Mets to win. I would lean towards the over 7.5 just because uh, just the way the balls were flying out. You figure if the Yankees can get two or three runs off sh the Mets and Scherzer, uh, it feels like the Mets bats have come back to life here these last, you know, whatever, 14, 15 innings. And, uh, you know, you figure Herman with how poorly he pitched last time would uh, will give up some runs here. And the Yankee bullpen's not in great shape either. So I would lean towards over 7.5, and, and I would certainly lean towards the Mets tonight in the Subway Series. But but coming up next, Troy Macker, Senior Manager of Content for Bet Rivers. What are people betting? What should you be betting? What are the sleeper teams in the NFL? You might be surprised. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. And he is back. He's the senior manager of content for Bet Rivers. He is Troy Macker. Troy, what's up, man? Thanks for coming back on. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. You know, it's kind of a slow time of year, but that just means it's the quiet uh, before the storm. And, and you know, we're ticking down the days, so less than 50 to the NFL season, which is, uh, you know, even if you're a fan of a bad team like I am, uh, I'm just really excited for football Sundays. It's like my, my favorite time of the year is just Sunday in the fall. We're starting to see the tweets, starting to see people say, you know what, only four more Saturdays without college football. Uh, a week from Thursday's the Hall of Fame, which is what uh, the Hall of Fame game. So you know, ten, eight, nine, ten days away, whatever it is. So we're getting there. We are getting there. And uh, I guess we'll start with the local teams, the Jets and the Giants. You know, both teams have obviously had bad runs for a long time here. When you look at the handle here at Bet Rivers, and you know, we always like to look at you know the book side of things. Are betters optimistic about these teams when you look at their season win totals, futures, etc.? Well, we'll start with the Jets, and the answer is a resounding yes. And I think, uh, you know, they have uh, hopefully the right coach in place. I think everyone is a big fan of Robert Sala. Uh, you know, the, the quarterback question has been a little bit interesting this offseason, but really nothing having to do with quarterback play. But drama is the last thing that the New York Jets need. Uh, they had a very, very good draft. They have some decent position players. Um, they've done well in the draft in last year's, and I think – you know, with, uh, yes, the Bills in that division are, you know, the, the front runner. Uh, the Patriots should be good because they still have, you know, maybe the best NFL head coach of all time. And, and the Dolphins are, are, are middling. So uh, especially with, you know, the over-under, I believe it was set at like four and a half, six and a half. The early action was on the over. I mean, uh, I think the third largest over-under uh, handle was on the Jets over um, a month ago, and it still is. Um, you're seeing Jets. Uh, money to win the the AFC. You're seeing some Jets money to win the division. You're seeing a lot of Jets money to make the playoffs because the value's there. Um, the book cannot move a Jets to make the playoff number uh, close to even money because it's the Jets. Uh, but people are optimistic. I am optimistic on the Jets. Uh, again, that doesn't mean I think that the Jets will win eight or nine games. But in the NFL, if you think about it, how many teams who made the playoffs last year don't make the playoffs? It's like a third, a quarter, a third. That's a lot. Uh, and in, in a lot of divisions, especially with a, a larger wild card entry, you know, all you, all you need to do is win seven games. I mean, we've seen teams have a losing record and make the playoffs. Now, I think it will be harder in the AFC, but from a Jets perspective, it is very surprising, uh, given what we all know about the Jets over the last five, ten years, to see people optimistic about a, a, a Jets team with still work to be done, but looking like they have some foundation. So um, I've been really surprised by that. Like, it's the Jets and the in the Lions. Those are the two kind of cellar dwellers that we're seeing a lot of money on in uh, over under to make the playoffs and you know to win the division. We're not seeing a lot of money on either of those teams to win the Super Bowl. But I think it's really good when you see people investing in teams that have historically, or at least for the last decade, been embarrassing, um, because it means maybe these teams have finally got it right. And I think it starts. You know, the Lions and Jets. Neither of them have. Hall of Fame level quarterbacks, we don't think, but I think they have the right head coach. And before you can have the right quarterback, you need the right head coach. And I think both teams have it. So just to start, it, it, it's the Jets and the Jets are our most surprising team, largest money for a, a not great team. And the Giants, not so much. Uh, I think it's it's very much wait and see because of, you know, Saquon, um, you know, they had injuries all over the field last year. And, but I think, uh, you know, some action on them to win the uh, the NFC East uh, because they're going to have a good number because the Eagles are taking a lot of money. The Cowboys are the favorites. Um, and uh, so I think if, if you know, as those teams do better, you may be able to catch them at a good number, which means you might be able to get an even better cash out number. Uh, but for the two New York teams, it's just, it's the Jets. Uh, whether that means they're going to be good, I'm not sure. That's surprising because I kind of go the other way. Where like I don't love either team, but if you if you could talk me into one of them, it'd probably be the Giants, just because it's an easier conference, it's an easier division. Yes. And Dayball, everything he did with Josh Allen. If you look at the Cowboys, they're the best team, but they forced 34 turnovers last year. Sometimes that regresses. You never trust them to have back-to-back -back good years. Yeah. Washington, who knows? Philly, I know there's a lot of buzz for Philly, but I'm not totally sold on Hurts. That was a soft schedule. So I would kind of go the other way and say, you know what? If anyone could do it, it's the Giants. They had a million injuries last year. If you look at their schedule, it's not that bad. You don't have to deal with the Mahomes, the, ha the Allen, the Herbert. So if I had to pick one, I think I would go with the Giants as somebody that could surprise. And here's an interesting thing is, you know, uh, on, on May 7th, uh, or actually, sorry, May 17th. So, um, you know, uh, after the draft and all that, uh, the, the Giants win total was over under seven. It's now actually seven and a half. Uh, and I would have probably taken, um, 
you know, uh, the, the over on seven, but I'm certainly not taking the over on seven and a half. Um, uh, but I totally agree, especially as a fan of the Washington team, that not just – like, when was the last time you had a back-to-back winner in the NFC East? I can't remember. Never happens. <laughs> like, uh, even going from consistency of teams, like, how many times has any team won double-digit wins in back-to-back seasons? This is, like, doesn't happen uh, just because – it's tough to be consistently good. I think that's something I always talk about in football. Everyone wants to be a great team. It's really hard to be consistently good. It's why I was always defending for a long time Marvin Lewis when he was coaching the Bengals. Didn't think he was the best coach of all time. But you know how hard it is to make the playoffs five straight years? Uh, there are only a handful of teams that get to do that. And that's like the Patriots, you know, uh, and the Packers. Um, and so to have a, a, a mediocre team get to that stability like we're seeing with the Bills now. For People forget the Bills were an embarrassment for 15 years. And before that, they, they lost in the Super Bowl four times, and they took they, – they got more bad press from that than they got good press for making four straight Super Bowls. Which I don't know that anybody's ever going to do again. I mean, the Patriots came close. They got the three. Maybe the Chiefs with Mahomes, although they're showing how hard it is. You know, they're a couple plays here and there for making four in a row, which shows you how hard it is that yep, they've only made two. They've only won one. So it's hard. And, yeah, I agree. I think – you know, the one thing, the NFC East, we saw this a couple years ago. You can be 7-8 and eight and still kind of in it, possibly, if things break right. I mean, I think the Giants were 6-10 and 10 a couple years ago, and they went into the last game of the season. I think it was that Philly, it was Philly-Washington, where it was that was the final game of the season. Philly kind of rolled over, and Washington, I think, won it with a 7-9 and nine record. I think that was the year before. That was the, the year there were no fans in the, the buildings. That was before yeah. they went to the 17th game. So yeah. that's one of those ones where you can kind of, you know, be in the mix even if you don't have a great record. Yeah, and, and I can tell you that that uh, Washington football team was quarterbacked by Taylor Heineke, and they were four plays away from beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first game of the playoffs. That Tampa Played Bay well. Buccaneers team that went on to win the Super Bowl. So it, that's what's so fascinating about football is you can be bad last year and make the playoffs this year. You can be mediocre, make the playoffs like we saw with the Seahawks do a decade ago with the, uh, you know, the Beast Quake game where they had no business hosting the Saints and they ripped off a win, a huge win, and then moved on and I believe, you know, made it to the NFC Championship game. So, um, you know, it, it's – we are seeing also an uptick in, er, in early betting in, in NFL and I think it's, you know, uh, with every year we get so much more information. With every year we have so many more options. And every year, you know, there's just more – uh, want to to bet early. We can get lines up earlier. So really excited that we have enough data early July to really paint a picture of how fans are, are betting. Because usually it's a it's a right around the draft. It, there's a, a, a lot of action uh, right after the Super Bowl. Obviously, there's a lot of action. But then from like June to early August, there's not a lot because we're waiting for injuries. Who's going to hold out a camp? Contracts, things like that. Early July, we saw a decent amount of action, and that's really good. It just indicates people want it. Uh, there's more information, so people think that they're knowledgeable. Uh, and then when we're talking about it and trying to figure out trends, we actually have not just a lot of money, but a lot of bets. You can really do the math and figure out what are people thinking with the money and the, and the bets they're making. Yeah, and one last point on the Giants. like You could say they'll be better with Dayball, healthier. You know, They were a disaster at the end of last year, but it's really built into the number. I mean, these books, they made a good line because – uh, boy, to go from four to eight is a lot. Do you see people taking a stab here? The adjusted win totals at Bet Rivers might be a good way. You really you can double your money, triple your money. You can get fat prices here if you think, hey, I don't just think they're going to go over, you know, say it's the Jets or whoever, six and a half. I think they're going to go over seven and a half, eight and a half, three to one, four to one. Do you see people taking uh, shots here at longer numbers with those adjusted win totals? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we see that especially for. Um, you know, some of the, the, the better teams and what people will do is, is just like you would with a, with a basketball line. You know, you're like, I like this team, uh, confident minus seven, not confident minus 11. I may have to take a, bit, a, a worse price at minus seven, but uh, we're seeing that a lot, you know, especially with the Chiefs this year. You're seeing a lot of people go on the under um, and or even going on the over for eight or nine games. But I, you know, with the loss of Tyreek Hill, I don't know if a lot of people are trusting them. It, it's again, we're also it's hard to be that good for that long. And, right. you know, even Andy Reid, who, who made the, who got the Eagles to four straight NFC championship games, he was essentially driven out of town because he couldn't get over the hump. And, and you know, you want sustained success. And there's going to come a time where, you know, uh, the Chargers or the, the Broncos are going to trump the Chiefs. Uh, so I think this could be the year. So you, we do see a lot of adjusted lines. And I think that's just another thing that, um, 
you know, for a long time, I didn't bet. I didn't wager on stuff because I would look at the lines and be like, I don't like that number. But now with mobile and online betting, you can create your own number. Yes, the price might be different, but, um, you know, a lot of people aren't, you know, trying to only win uh, positive sense. They're just trying to win. And even if they're at a less price, you still win money. So, um, you know, that's one thing we've seen over the last year is people really, as they're getting more familiar with Bet Rivers, really taking advantage of all our alternate uh, spreads over unders and win totals. Yeah, and live betting is such a great tool too because you heard that. I remember saying that for years where, boy, if you could just show me a couple plays, a couple series in a football game, how the crowd's reacting, does the quarterback look nervous on the road, I could bet a lot better. Now you can. Now you can say, hey, is the quarterback, is the rookie quarterback, can he handle the road? Is the defense you know, stopping the run? You can see a few cards here and then jump in and make your bet, which I think is a, is a great tool for betters. Yeah, and we're seeing year over year, at least since you know we've been live and I've been here, so three years, that the for NFL, the percentage of total handle and game bets uh, live versus pre-match is going way up in this in in the favor of live betting. Um, you know, when I got here, it was about 37 to 40 percent, and then year two was like 40, 45 percent. We're and last year there were times there were games where it was damn near 50 percent. Now it's a we're just getting more people, uh, more people are betting uh, more times, but uh, and we're allowing and we're offering more you know. Uh, uh, real-time live betting you know this really surprising one for me was tennis uh we, we had uh, during wimbledon 80 percent of all the money we took was on live bets now tennis is a longer game there's breaks in the action but so is football there are plenty of breaks in the action more breaks than almost any sport other than baseball uh so it it is a great landscape for live betting and you know how many games have we seen where teams up 14 21 at the half you can catch a really good number there and then the team comes back uh, so it, the, the pace of football and the options that we're providing make it a really good way for people. If they're on top of the action, you're in a, a, you know, a room full of people who wouldn't love to live bet and talk about it. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's going to make it tricky, though. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, NFL Sunday ticket might go to a streaming service, which would lead to a delay, which yes. would lead to a lag, which really makes it tricky. Because if you're a player two behind, look, it's third and eight. I got to know what happens on that third and eight. So you must have to wait for a commercial. If they go to a streaming service, first of all, uh, I'm going to sound old here, but I hate all these streaming services just from Hulu, Amazon. I just want to sit down, watch TV, watch one thing. You got to have like eight different things, especially to watch all these sports. But that could uh, that could be tricky here if we go to a streaming service. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, especially even if, you know the the Yahoo games, uh, the 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 early morning games in London, all the games that are streamed. Uh, it makes for a really tricky endeavor, and and not just that, but you as a as a better will. Place what you place a bet on what you think it is, and it will go through. And then a minute later, it will say, hey, "We were actually behind. You were ahead. So we've adjusted to what it would have been when you place a bet, as opposed to what it was." Uh, so there's there are a lot of kinks to iron out, and I think that's one thing that um, is tricky because as a as a product, you expect when you when you purchase a product, it works 100% of the time, and it's perfect and exactly what you wanted. But we're this is a real time. Uh, you know, the, the, the yardstick is always moving uh, landscape. And, and it's still, you know, we're in what, year three of, of most states opening up and being legal. So it's a still a work in progress. The issue can be is that the audience doesn't always want a work in progress. They want it to be foolproof, surefire. But at the same time, this is a, a gambling company and you're gambling. There's nothing foolproof or surefire about sports gambling because you can't script sports. Yeah, plus they have to leave a lag in there because, you know, if you leave, if you say player props, live player props, which are available, well, if a guy rolls his ankle, people run to bet the under. You got to have some sort of protection there where you take it off the board for a second, you know, a challenge, which could be, you know, an interception for a touchdown or just incompletion. You got to figure out, you know, where that challenge is going. So, yeah, it makes it tricky here with all the uh, all the stops and just uh, going to a streaming service might make it even tougher. Yeah, yeah. But we see, we see issues with kind of live betting or real-time betting um, in, in general, you know, uh, right. the, the NBA draft, uh, that, that weird four hours in the morning of draft day where uh, Adrian Wojnarowski sends out a message um, confirming that Jabari Smith is the lock, goes to, you know, goes to minus 1,000. So some people start betting on Paulo Bancaro at a great number, at like plus 800. And then next thing you know, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a report the other way. Uh, we have, uh, most of the books have to take it down because it's now granted the draft is mostly news based, which makes it very tricky, but that real time aspect can make it dangerous for either side. 
There are some stories behind the draft that I've heard that we can talk about off the air, but uh, fa fascinating nonetheless because yes. that was uh, fascinating. For anyone that followed it, uh, yeah, some, somebody obviously knew something because when Woj is tweeting, it's going to be one thing that's usually as good as gold. And for people to take that report and say, you know what, that's a, that's a cute little report, Woj, but I'm going to bet big the other way. I know uh, you know, some people who run other books say, you know what, somebody obviously knew based on the bets that were coming in. So that's uh, that's a 30 for 30 one day. That whole Boncaro, Jabari, that whole morning of the draft is just so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're going to see more things like that. Um, uh, information-based, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's also why for a lot of information-based or even um, uh, exhibition-based, like the Home Run Derby. We, there was another, yeah. you know, issue with there. And, and that goes back to the, you know, while you can't script sports, you can't even script them to the point of scripting a, a, an exhibition home run derby. But the, as a product, you expect it to be surefire, foolproof. What you're what you're purchasing on is exactly what you're getting. But we're, you're getting uh, you're purchasing a, a, something that we don't know. We right like we don't know what's going to play out. We don't. We're, we are only offering. We're not working with the rules and regulations of the sports. Um, so it, it, the 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 goalposts are always moving. But um, the more offers we can provide the more boosts we can provide the more real-time action we can provide you know if someone hits us on twitter and says hey can you give me over under rbis on this guy we'll make it happen because we want there to be transparency but it's still just such a, a tricky beast because we can't how a referee determines a play we can't override that if he got it wrong because then we're moving the goalposts in addition to the sport itself moving the goalposts and that just becomes very dangerous uh from a business standpoint and also from a transparency standpoint. Did you guys have an issue with the Derby? I know there was a Schwarber-Pujols controversy. One homer for Schwarber shouldn't have counted, but then MLB went back and said, hey, ESPN was wrong. We got yeah. it right. Who really knows? The thing with the Derby, it's going so fast. They got yeah. a million cameras. You can't tell if a ball goes out. They're on the next ball. I kind of miss, again, not to sound old, but I kind of miss just the 10 outs, count yeah. the homers. It's just too fast. It gives me anxiety they're going so fast. But uh, what was the situation there for the Derby? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was, you know, and we had people. Here's the thing. We have people on both sides that were, you know, who are on uh, Schwarber who are like, this is BS. Uh, it should have counted. But they, they're saying that in real time. And maybe not following the story 24 hours later when it comes out that like actually ESPN missed one as well. So it evened out, but we had people on the pool holes, uh, money. We're like, I don't touch it. Do not void it. He won. <laughs> it, who cares how he got there? He won. So we like to say, we're going by the rules of the, uh, the organization that is running it. So if it shows up in the, in the MLB official box score, which I believe they even have for the home run derby, we go by official box scores, um, to eliminate uh, we, we, we don't want to uh, put our hand in determining the outcome. The outcome is determined by what happens and how, the, and how the league grades it, and then we go from there. And, yes, that can lead to people being upset, but if we start tinkering it, then we don't want to have to play God because then there's another side, and then we have to do it all the time. So it, we were learning new things every day, and, and we thought, you know, through COVID, we learned so much, and we're still learning because – the, uh, the amount of bets we're taking on the home run derby were like double last year. So we're going to have to know more about next year. Everyone's so unbiased when it comes to their own bets, right? I'm sure you get lots of calls saying, hey, I know you graded this as a win, but I really lost. I don't feel right taking the money. I'm sure you get those calls all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone has ever said, hey, you know what? You can have your money back. Uh, I, this, wasn't a, this wasn't a true win. Uh, I only want to win if it's right. No, no, you win, you take the money. Do you think you mentioned the draft? Do you think the Palo thing? Do you think that makes books less likely to just post odds, lower limits? Do you think that just makes books more cautious going forward with drafts? It seems like it would, right? Hundred uh, percent. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, so much. Uh, so much so that you know, in years past, we've offered uh, live odds on the draft. Now, typically, just like which position will the team on the clock draft next? We took everything off the board um, because you know uh, I think we're lucky and and. And we have the right people to be able to do uh, to offer live odds on a completely news and information based event, but it's it's far from foolproof. And so you know it, we're, it's also at our discretion. And and things were getting out of control. It was really hard to monitor. And and it's you know like you mentioned, it was possible that someone knew something and was disseminating information based off that. And and so at that point, it's just like you know what, we don't feel comfortable doing it from uh, a standpoint of you know get getting fleeced because we have the wrong information or uh, giving 
putting people in a bad spot to to lose more money or to not be as educated as they can be. Uh, and then also with the lag time. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I could see us in a lot of places being tighter on, uh, you know, information based events. You know, um, we don't typically you won't see a lot of odds uh, on Bet Rivers on, you know, who the next head coach will be, what team uh, a player will go to. Now, you know, we have Kevin Durant odds on who his next team is going to be. And we've taken a ton of action on that on, on a lot of teams. And what that indicates is I don't think anyone knows anything right now. But even from Kevin Durant's last couple of free agencies, I don't think he knows until he makes that decision. So um, really interesting to see that uh, we're getting so much action on that. I also think that is the big, biggest storyline in the NBA offseason this year. But, you know, we won't do that for every single player who is, you know, potentially moving to a different team or when a, a coach gets fired, we won't immediately put up odds on who will be the next coach because it's all information based and while we know a lot uh it's easier when we have historical data on gameplay uh because you you there are hundreds of thousands of events within an event that give us information to to set right numbers there's no right number to set when it's information and news based uh, I've been telling people, and I was going to bring up Durant. It's a good one. How tricky has it been to monitor the odds with all these teams? Because, hey, rumor he's going to go to the Raptors. You have to move that number. Rumor, yep. hey, he might stay with the Nets. I've been screaming this whole time. Hey, I don't think he's getting traded just because it's so hard to put a deal together that's fair for him. He's yeah. got four years left on a deal. Nets don't have their pick, so they can't just go full tank. I've been saying bet the Nets 35 to 1, 30 to 1, 41. It's all the way down to 18 to 1 now at Bet Rivers. Kind of talk us through that process of what it's been like to monitor the rumor mill in terms of Durant. Yeah, so it, it's a lot like, uh, you know, um, early, early odds. So like the day after the Super Bowl. Um, excuse me, especially like this year where, you know, the day after last Super Bowl, you could have gotten the Bengals at, you know, 50 to 1. Uh, and but so, you know, the day after the Super Bowl, the day after national championship games, you'll see 20 teams all with pretty short odds, um, somewhere between plus 500 and plus 2200. Because you just don't feel comfortable that early uh, without a lot of information who's free agents, who's injured, who, who are they going to draft. And it's and so it's that mindset when you have just player movement because there's nothing to go off. There's no historical information to go off of. But I think the one thing that you will see that is impacted is as there's more news and more discussion, we're not changing the odds that much in real time. A week later, now you see the Nets are you know plus eighteen hundred as opposed to being plus thirty four hundred because as there's all this information, it's all not smoke and mirrors, but it, it's lending credence to the fact that he may actually stay. And again, like I saw a, a trade graphic uh, where it was like three people and seven first round picks, and I think Kevin Durant is one of the three best players in the NBA, but I don't know if there's a player on the planet worth seven first round picks that is just. And I don't know if there's a team that has that capital to give up seven first-round picks. Uh, it's just really fascinating. But you won't see, you know, when that comes out, you won't see the Raptors shoot up a ton or the Knicks shoot up a ton. What you'll see is a gradual shift in the Nets moving up to shorter and shorter odds. Well, it's a rare thing where, you know, you can have trades and guys that impact the market. Wherever he goes is basically going to be the title favorite or top three or four title favorites. He's that good. The league is in a position now where it's balanced. There's not a super team anymore. So wherever he goes is going to be one of the, you know, top three or four contenders. If he goes to the Celtics, they are, you know, the clear favorite. But other than that, wherever he goes is one of the favorites. And that's an unusual circumstance for the title odds. And like you said, I think a couple things. I think the Gobert trade really skewed the market where mm – -hmm. If this is Rudy Gobert, he basically went for, when you look at the players involved, like six, seven first-round picks, it's just insane. And Durant is going to have, look, he doesn't have a no trade, but he can kill a deal. So if he, you're going to have to trade him in a situation where, hey, we gave up three players, seven picks. Well, Durant's going to say, well, I don't want to go to that team. They're not any good anymore. So yeah. you got to satisfy all the parties here, which is why I think it makes it very tricky to pull off a deal. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And, and it's, I think, for if it, you know, we, we were not offering odds on who Rudy Gobert's next team would be or even Donovan Mitchell, who is, a, you know, a, a star, a, you know, fringe superstar, probably more star than superstar, but still 15 best player in the NBA. You know, it really takes someone like Kevin Durant for us to put up uh, a line on that. And also it's because no one knows. So you can provide more options. You know, if it were, you know, three teams, it'd be, it'd be tough to do. And while he did give a list of five teams, you know, you know, there's even news coming out that he maybe this would open up a return to Washington, where he's from, even though he has said he's never playing in Washington because he, he preferred 
not to have to deal with that stress of playing at home. But so there's another team you got to add because there's a news report on it. So it's it's very tricky, but clearly people like it just given the amount of bets we've had. Uh, so it's something, you know, when you have that response from the audience, you 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 feel like you're responsible to to give them what they want, but you want to do it so you're always in a position where you're not exposed as well. Yeah, and not only do you have to give up so much, but you have to have stuff that the Nets want. The Nets want picks, young players. And here's the thing with picks. If the, you trade for Durant, well, those picks are in the 20s. Those picks aren't worth that much. So you got uh, The Nets were asked for a young all-star, another good player. It's just very hard to satisfy, you know, really all three parties. Yep. Where do you think he ultimately lands or stays? I mean, I'm leaning towards staying in Brooklyn. Uh, I think it's more feasible for them to, to trade Kyrie. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I think if – Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn, then, I mean, it's, it was always Kevin Durant's team, but uh, there's even more eyes on him. There's even more uh, scrutiny, ridicule, things like that. Um, but at right now, I, I think he stays because, um, you know, I think that where he wants to go, I don't know if it's possible for him to get there and still have, like, the Suns. Like, he would like to play with Devin Booker. Well, if you want Kevin Durant, you're probably going to have to give up someone like Devin Booker, and they just paid DeAndre Ayton. So, uh it's like he wants to play on the team he wants to play on, but I don't think he realizes that for him to go to any team he wants, that team has to get rid of, like, all their good players so he can play there. Yeah, I want to go to the Heat, but uh, don't give up uh, you know, Bam out of buy. What do you want us to do? Max Struess and some picks? It's not how it works. So yeah. I don't. I think the more you know, the Nets think about it, say, you know what? We got this guy under contract for a long time, four years. He's 33. He really doesn't have a lot of options. He can pout, but you know what? The season starts in a couple months. We don't have to trade him. Yeah, no, totally agree. Troy, this was a lot of fun. We'll have to do this again soon. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, this was uh, this this was good. Let everyone know you know where they can find your work and uh, you know anything else you want to promote here. Yeah, yeah, man. You know uh, we're constantly if you follow at Bet Rivers, uh, we're constantly posting odds and and public uh, betting and information. Uh, you know we're we're working on our specials, uh, future specials right now and. And, you know, we're, we're really ramping up our, our content on the Bet Rivers Network YouTube page is where you can find all the CityCast shows. But also, you know, we're, we're working on getting some former players to, to provide weekly content. So just really excited uh, about uh, everything we have coming up for football season. This is, uh, you know, we're, we're growing uh, in, in, in our numbers as well uh, from the people we have working on content. So we're really going to be able to provide people with a lot of information, entertainment, and then ultimately, you know, uh, great lines and, and options on betting, both futures, markets, props, and, and game lines. How many wins did the Commanders have? I'm assuming you're a Washington fan by your hat. How many wins? Yeah, yeah, I'll go six. I think that's just the number I do every year. You know, I, I am uh, – and also, you know, uh, they they haven't had a consistent two or three seasons ever. And also, Ron Rivera, I don't believe, has had back-to-back -back winning seasons as a head coach, I don't believe, even when he was in Carolina. Um but so I always just lean six. I think you can get three wins in division and then three wins out of division. Um, and hey, I hope there are more. But uh, you know, if you're a longtime fan of the Commanders, either you're blind Homer or you're just an absolute cynic uh, because of the organization and how it's been running. So I'm in just uh, an absolute cynic. Uh, but I do like when they win. So uh, hope hope for the over. But I think it's six wins. Yeah, they need a new owner. They need a new culture because even at home, they don't. I mean, the fans are. You give up a first down, they're getting booed. It's almost a home field disadvantage, kind of like the Chargers. So, yeah, they definitely need uh, a restoring of the culture. Troy, appreciate you coming on, man. We'll do this again soon. Thanks again. Have a good one. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Troy Macker. Enjoyed that conversation. Enjoy the Subway Series tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, later in the week, we got Aaron Schatz, Mike Sando. We'll talk some more football. Obviously, we'll talk plenty of baseball. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to download, rate, review, and subscribe. This is the New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.